Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take the adventure with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome back, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and we are going to be diving back into the Odyssey. This is is Classical Studies 101, and this is our study of the Odyssey. So uh, enjoy. As always, if you'd be so kind as to leave a nice uh, rating or a lovely comment on whatever podcast platform you are using to listen to this, that would be great. And of course, there is no dive, there is no journey into the great journey without the one, the only Dr. Gary Stickle. Gary, are you out there? Welcome, Gary. (laughs) Gary is waiting sheepishly to... uh, uh, give the fans that are, are waiting anxiously for him. He's just going to let them have a little bit of, uh, you know, just kind of build up anticipation uh, as they await Gary's return. So again, this is going to be the chapter 19 of the Odyssey. We are almost done. We're all the way, nearly all the way through with our review of the Odyssey. And um, it's going to be, uh, again, um, very exciting to have gone all the way through this one, and having started with the Iliad, we're going to complete the whole journey. And Gary, Dr. Gary Stickle, Gary is here. Yes. So welcome, Gary. You get your applause again. So Gary, you, let's let's Thank get you. a recap of chapter 18, if you would. Uh, so what happened in that chapter, and then lead us into chapter 19. Uh, <clears throat> chapter 18 is uh, preparatory to uh, King Odysseus finally taking back his palace after 20 years from over 100 suitors that have taken over his palace and they're trying to, uh, <clears throat> you know, force his beautiful wife and Queen Penelope to marry one of them so they be king and have a beautiful wife. And, of course, she's trying to hold him off and her son, Telemachus. Odysseus' son, too. Um, so the chapter is basically about Odysseus, you know, coming back into the palace. But he's disguised as an old beggar by uh, the goddess Athena, who can transform people and she can transform herself. And, of course, she is his great matron or patron, but matron in this case. Yeah. Um, and so she has protected Odysseus best she could uh, along his journey. All right, let's go. Let's go into chapter 19. And uh, and she's the goddess of wisdom and defensive war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, the chapter kind of starts off with um, Odysseus being, uh, you know, uh, uh, attempted to be bullied by a guy by the name of Iris who's also a beggar, you know, he's also a, a, a man, you know, trying to get what he can from the suitors, you know. Mm-hmm. 
and he doesn't like the competition that Odysseus is, you know, uh, ostensibly uh, presenting. So to be clear, this is a beggar. So Odysseus is disguised as a beggar. This other man is an actual beggar. And what is going on is the suitors are there trying to obviously win the hand of Penelope, become you know, take, take her as their queen. But the beggar is trying to get something from these you know, haughty suitors. And, and Odysseus is, is disguised in a similar manner. Yeah. So um, Iris, you know, um, thinks that he can really beat up the old man and throw him out, you know. And so like it says, Iris hurled a fist at Odysseus' right shoulder as he came through with a hook below the ear, meaning Odysseus came through with a hook below his ear, pounding Iris's neck, smashing the bones inside. Suddenly red blood came spurting out of his mouth. And headlong, he pitched into the dust, howling. And so uh, Odysseus, uh, and then the, it says the princely suitors, flinging their hands in the air, died laughing. They thought this is very funny. And it's important to remember, we're talking about the ancient world. So it sounds like, number one, Odysseus rocked him, but it, he probably broke his jaw. And so in, in the ancient world, it's not like you could go to the hospital or the yep. ER and get mended, especially if you're one of the poor. That's um, right. So that would have been a pretty devastating injury to someone. And these guys are, are cheering. And like I told you, I've been searching for the palace of Odysseus. Um, and I created a hypothetical floor plan. And so this next little paragraph uh, helped me do that. It says, and the princely suitors flinging their hands in the air died laughing. Uh, Grabbing him by the leg, Odysseus hauled him through the porch, which is in front of the uh, hall or the throne room, across the yard, so there was a, a courtyard, to the outer gate. And, uh, and then he says, now you can hold your post, play the scarecrow to all the pigs and dogs, but no more lording over strangers, no more playing the beggar king for you, you loathsome fool. So this is how Odysseus uh, deals with him. Not very uh, compassionate, right? He just lays right into him. Well, the guy, uh, you know, tried to beat him up. You know, no, I know, but I just think it's interesting that it's. But he is Odysseus. He is the king, really, and so he's in disguise. He's a great warrior. So it's not like it's really going to be an even fight. But yeah, you there's there could have been another way he handled it. But yeah, all right, I get it. Knock the guy, send him send him packing. But um, yeah, all right, so fight's over. Okay, and um, and then at the very end of the chapter, uh, again, another guy gets on Odysseus's case. Another, uh, this time it's a suitor. And um, so, um, and basically what, what the chapter is trying to express is that you should express kindness to strangers and to the homeless. And I think that's a, a great part of the Odyssey, you know, that sentiment. Right, right, exactly. Well, kind of, you, you know, know Athena transforms Odysseus into a beggar and he's treated terribly by the suitors. And it, it just shows, you know, their lack of compassion and kindness, you know, and that leads to their uh, doom, really. Yeah. Um, and, um, so anyhow, um, 
this uh, guy called Eurymachus uh, gets on Odysseus's case and he says, um, uh, that made you, you know, and then Odysseus replies to him basically, you know, to behave right, you know, and he says, that made Eurymachus' fury seethe and burst. He gave the beggar a dark look and let fly, saying, you, you, Odysseus, I'll make you pay for your ugly rant. Bold as brass in face of all these lords. Um, you know, play the fool and babble nonsense and so on. So he uh, seizes a stool and he throws it at Odysseus. But Odysseus crouches and it misses and it hits one of the other, um, uh, hits a wine steward, you know. And then the suitors burst into laughing and so on. These, uh, these guys are real princes, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, these got people getting, you know, beaten up left and right. And these guys are just laughing about it. Uh, you know, a guy throws a chair and then inadvertently hits someone who's not even part of this whole thing. Um, yeah, so he was a servant, these, yeah. a well, servant yeah. of the palace, a wine store, you know. Exactly. So you get a real sense of the kind of guys these, these suitors are. And then uh, Telemachus, who's trying to... Uh, you know, he's, he's young, but he's 20 years old, but he's trying to, uh, you know, be his father's son and stand up to the suitors, you know. And it says, uh, Prince Telemachus dressed him down. Fools, you're all out of your mind. He calls the suitors fools. Uh, no hiding in food and wine have gone to your heads and so on. Come now that you've eaten well, go home to bed. So he's trying to urge them to go home. And, um, but, you know, they're, they're all still drinking and whatever. They tip their cups to the blissful gods, meaning the suitors, poured libations to the gods. And then they went to their bed, each suitor to his house. So that's the end of chapter 18. Right. Okay. So that sets our stage for now. There's been a ruckus of sorts and suitors have left. Odysseus is still there in disguise. So chapter 19 uh, opens, and uh, the chapter is entitled uh, Penelope and a Guest by the Robert Fagel's, uh, you know, translation. Um, and so, so it opens like this. That left the great Odysseus waiting in his hall as Athena helped him plot the slaughter of all the suitors. Uh, he turned at once to Telemachus, who now knows that he's Odysseus, Okay. And so he, he, he's trying to say, let's stow the weapons, the weapons that are in the uh, palace hall uh, out of their reach, all the arms and armor. So, and uh, so it says Telemachus did his father's will at once. And um, he, he called out to the old nurse. Now, this was a, a, a Telemachus nursemaid who's still alive. Her name is Eurycleia. And he says, uh, take the women up into their own quarters. And so apparently they, uh, their quarters are on the second story. Mm-hmm. It's a two-story palace. Until I stole my father's weapons in the storeroom. So, so it's like an getting, armory, the storeroom. Yeah. Uh, clearly, Odysseus, a commander, is getting his terrain ready to be in his favor. Get the weapons out of the way so when the guys come back, 
that kind of thing. So yeah, makes so certainly makes sense. And so then it says Odysseus and his princely son began to carry off the helmets, the studded shields, the pointed spears. And Pallas Athena strode before them, lifting a golden lamp that cast a dazzling radiance about them. So, um, mm-hmm. so in other words, they're preparing to, you know, attack the suitors. Right, right. Like I said, it's a strategy. He's setting the stage. So he's got the right terrain. So yeah, okay. So get the women, get the uh, the, the the maidens out of the way, maid servants. Get the weapons out of where they can't be reached, and you know it must be great too for the son to finally have his legendary father there with him to see him. Oh, a- absolutely. Um, and and then it says, you know, Athena helped him plot the slaughter of the suitors. And then it says, and now down from her chamber came the reserved Penelope, looking for all the world like Artemis or golden Aphrodite. Once we hear Artemis, we have to give us some applause. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, um, uh, and so basically, you know, the suitors are behaving badly and she's trying to get them to behave uh, properly you know um and um there's there's one of them that says to her actually he said so he warned and alert penelope heard him wheeled on uh, she turned on one of her maids Mm -hmm. now some of her maids um consorted with the suitors they were sleeping with them they became their whores and um, so Penelope is addressing. And, and, and again, you're saying that in the sense that it is a not necessarily a consensual relationship. It's an imbalance. No, uh, no in this case, it was consensual. And that's so, why uh, Penelope is so disdainful of them. So then when you so then the way you're characterizing them is uh, because of, the, of their behavior. Again, I just want to sort of the context for the modern listener, just so that they understand where what this is about. So it's they are. Um, they're betraying their allegiance to uh, Odysseus and his royal clan. Uh, well, and to, and, well, and to uh, their queen. Mm-hmm. And in Bronze Age Greece, you don't do that. Otherwise, uh, you know, it, it, it uh, actually can be a capital offense. Mm-hmm. So this is what uh, Penelope says to one of them. Uh, and um, Penelope wheeled on the maid tongue lashed her uh, smartly. Make no mistake, make no mistake, you brazen, shameless bitch. None of your ugly work escapes me either. You will pay for it with your life, you will. So in other words, she's saying that she's going to be executed for what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Yes, because as you say, again, a grave offense. And then Penelope uh encounters Odysseus and she says stranger let me start by questioning who are you where are you from your city your parents and then he responds my good woman and then he goes into this long lie about where he's from and he claims he's from Crete and so on and he claims that he uh, met Odysseus and so she uh, once she questions that 
and uh, she asked him, well, what was he wearing? Because she would know what he would wear, you know? And of course, uh, he answers, uh, he says, King Odysseus, he was wearing a heavy woolen cape of sea purple, double folds with a golden brooch to clasp it. With a hound clenching a dappled fawn in his paws and so on. I noticed his glossy tunic too, clinging to his skin like the thin, glistening skin of a dried onion and so on. Uh, so anyhow, she so um, give, giving yeah, trying to she's looking for proof this man that she does not recognize as her husband because Athena has disguised him. She's looking for proof that this man is truly. Uh, a, a good, reliable source that Odysseus is still alive. So, questioning yeah. or yeah. about things she knows. So she then believes him, you know, mm-hmm. that he did see Odysseus. And 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 the translation goes on to say, his words renewed her deep desire to weep, recognizing the strong, clear signs of Odysseus offered. But as soon as she had her fill of tears and grief, Penelope turned again to her guest, meaning Odysseus, and said, Now, stranger, much as I pitied you before, now my house will be your special friend, my honored guest. So, in other words, she's treating him with kindness. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and he and then he says, uh, Ah, my queen. The man of craft assured her noble wife, Alaertes, son of Odysseus, ravage no more your lovely face with tears. So he's basically said, I will tell you the whole truth and so on, but he doesn't tell her the truth. He comes up with this whole lie about where, where he had been and where he's from. Mm-hmm. Why do you think he does that? Why do you think he makes a story up? That's, that, that, that's a good question. I, I don't know. He's not really uh, ready to trans- be transformed and to be himself, you know. I guess, yeah. Plus, he probably did a few things he's not going to mention. So, But then he tells her, you know, because he, he knows that she needs reassurance. And he says, the man is safe. As you can see, he's, he's coming home soon. He's close at hand. I swear by Zeus the first and greatest God, but by Odysseus's hearth, you know, Odysseus will return. And then she says, if only my friend, reserved Penelope, explained everything you say would come to pass. You know, so, you know, she's not believing that she's, you know, it's 20 years and she's heard Odysseus, many times Odysseus died on route and so on. Mm-hmm. And then she says, Odysseus, there was a man, or was he all a dream? And then she expresses it's a more kindness. It's a beautiful too. Uh, way to phrase it. Beautiful turn of phrase from her. Yeah, it's a beautiful phrase, and and then she says, "But come, women, watch the stranger and make his bed." So again, she wants to show uh, kindness to him, and uh, and she has his feet washed by uh, Eurycleia, and uh, that's kind of a scene reminiscent of Jesus having his feet voiced, if you remember. Yes, that's, of course, it happens. Uh, it's a very beautiful ritual that 
for those of us who practice the faith, uh, get to see in the high holy days. And as uh, your clay is washing his feet, and by the way, there's been many paintings of that scene, um, mm -hmm. she notices a scar, and that scar was created when Odysseus was young and he was hunting a boar, and the boar gored him in the leg and, and uh, created the scar when he was hunting on Mount Parnassus. And uh, Mount Parnassus is where the, um, you know, some of the goddesses hang out, you know, the muses. Right. Um, so anyhow, uh, she she didn't recognize him as Odysseus, and she starts to tell Penelope, and he uh, grabs her and tells her no. He doesn't want her to know yet. Well, again, it's a touching scene. It also kind of builds anticipation in the reader or the listener as these things are being told of really wanting to finally have Odysseus reveal himself. But obviously, he's got to take care of some business before he can um, or before or he has to get some things ready, certainly, before he can. Yeah, it's a very um, emotional. Yeah, really, yeah, it's a beautiful scene. Scene here. The, the scar as the old maid cradled his legs, her hands passed down. She felt it anew, you know. And tears rushed to her eyes, voice choked in her throat. She reached for Odysseus' chin and whispered quickly, Yes, yes, you are Odysseus, oh dear boy. I couldn't know you before, not till I touched the body of my king. She glanced at Odysseus, but Odysseus, um, his right hand shot out, clutching the nurse's throat with his left hand. He hugged her to himself and muttered, Nurse, you want to kill me? You suckled me yourself with your own? Breast, now I'm home at last, and so on. Quiet, not a word to anyone in the house. So he doesn't want her to disclose who he is. And then there's a very touching scene as we're getting near the end of the chapter. Um, when Penelope again turns to Odysseus and... Um, and she tells him about a, a dream she had and asked him if he can help her interpret it. And so I rewrote this as my poem uh, of the Odyssey. Uh, and, um, and this is the way it goes. Mm -hmm. um, I had a friend, there are two doorways of dreams. Some cause smiles some cause screams. Dreams that come from the ivory door bear no fruit forsooth. Those that pass through the horn-made door are fraught with truth. I had a dream last night, so tell me, old man, did it give me the truth, revealing some divine plan? I dreamed of my 20 geese, and I love to see them all. But from a mountain, I saw a great hooked beaked eagle fall. He swooped and snapped her necks, killing them one and all. Then he passed, and then he piled them up in heaps throughout my palace hall. And Odysseus says, Oh, my queen, uh, go and set up the scene, for before any suitor, wait a minute, uh, 
I'm forgetting my own lines, but before any suitor can do something, you know, Odysseus will be home at last. So he's telling her that Odysseus is uh, imminent, you know. That's and then she says, right. um, and uh, this is uh, how it's translated. Oh, my queen, don't put off this test in the halls for a moment. Before that crew can handle the polished bow, Odysseus, man of exploits, will be home with you. So anyhow, Penelope says of this uh, contest she's going to have of the great bow of Odysseus. And it's another way to hold off the suitors until Odysseus can get home. Because her previous one of weaving a shroud for Odysseus's father Laertes, and then she would unweave it at night. And she said when she finished weaving it, she would choose one of them as king, one of the suitors as king and, and husband. But they caught her unweaving it, and uh, so that didn't work. And, and so, you can only, I, also, I think you could only pull that one off for so long before they're like, what are you weaving? You know, how, yeah, exactly. How, how big a thing are you weaving? So, okay, so she's got this. So she, this is, okay. so she tells Odysseus, I mean to announce a, context, a contest with axes. The ones uh, Odysseus would line up here inside the hall. Twelve, which is a sacred number, by the way, twelve. Twelve in a straight and broken row. Uh, and uh, the hand that can string the bow with greatest ease and shoots an arrow clean through all 12 axes, that man I will follow, forsaking this house where I was once a bride, the gracious house, so filled with the best of life that it can offer. I shall always remember it, that I know, even in my dreams. And then Odysseus urges her to, you know, basically hang in there because Odysseus is quite imminent. And that's the way the chapter ends. You know, she, you know, the last uh, paragraph is with that, the queen went up to her lofty, well-lit room uh, and not alone, her women followed her close behind. Penelope, once they reached the upper story, fell to weeping for Odysseus, her beloved husband, till watchful Athena sealed her eyes with welcome sleep. And that's the end of the chapter. Now, see, so you gave us the they gave us the cue too soon, Gary. Now I have to give you a second set of applause. All right, all right, excellent. Well, this is certainly a very anticipatory chapter. Uh, it really does build up your sense of wanting this to kind of unfold soon. We're getting close. We journey with Odysseus. He's home. Now he just has a final step, a final conflict battle that he has to take care of before he can finally take his wife in his arms and take his throne. So uh, looking forward to it. So as always, let's give a really big round of applause for Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you, Gary, as always, for guiding us on this uh, journey about a journey. About no, the, thank uh, you. The Odyssey. Uh, I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and this has been the 34 Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel, Classical Studies 101. We are going through the Odyssey. This was the Odyssey Chapter 19. I want to thank you all for listening, and God bless.